Hello and welcome back to the Pep Talk Podcast. It's been a little while, but the podcast is back and being recorded online rather than in URY. Before we get into this episode, there are a few announcements from the Club of Pep. There's an election this Wednesday the 25th for up to three first-year reps, and this is a great way to get involved in the committee help for, and uh, help first-years get more involved in the club. Some responsibilities include collecting feedback for the club from first-year PPE students, as well as advertising events and being a point of contact for any first-years looking to get involved. If you would like to apply, send an email to yorkclubofpep at gmail.com. This position looks good on your CV and isn't much work, so if you're interested, send an email with why you think you'd be a good fit for the role. Also, the Club of Pep has a Discord server. For those of you looking for support over the break with essays or any concerns about exams or coursework, this is a great way to ask for advice from second or third year students. We will also be playing Among Us and chatting on the server over the break. If you'd like to join, I've put a link in the podcast description, and you can also join through the PEP Facebook page. Now, this episode is with Pablo and Victoria of the University of York Think Tank. We recorded an episode with them last year as well, and I'm sure you'll find this one just as interesting, especially if you have an interest or are considering a career path in public policy. So that's it for the intro. Enjoy. But uh, what have you guys been uh, been up to since we since we last spoke in the in that studio in URY? Well, thank you very much for inviting us for another podcast. Quite a bit has changed. We have finished or put aside some of the old position papers that we were working on last year, and Victoria here started one on circuit laundry, which has been the focus of this autumn term for us. Yeah, now that will definitely be of interest uh, to the freshers uh, that now know what we knew last year, that circus la- circuit laundry is pretty trash. It's a <laughs> rip-off, leaves your clothes dirtier <laughs> than they were before. Uh, so <laughs> what's that whole position paper about? Could you outline it? Um, yeah, so we found out that the next year um, the contract is finishing, so they have actually the chance to, chan- uh, the chance to change something because obviously a lot of students are complaining about the laundry, but a lot of people just don't know what to do with this. So they just don't know how to complain about this. So but when circuit laundry is asked of how many people are actually officially complaining, they say like, oh, two official, three official complaints, which we think is not fair. Um, so basically we'll try to look at what alternatives can we find, or maybe how can we solve this problem in general. Maybe we can encourage people to participate in this more. Maybe we can encourage students to complain officially or in general maybe we can change something and maybe we can actually find the alternative to the circuit or make the circuit better. So how do you do like an official complaint? Um, We don't exactly we don't exactly know about this now we are just trying to find what will be the best solution so will it be better for us to encourage university to change the circuit itself or will it be better to kind of understand what is the official complaint and how is it better to do this? And in which way would we go about this? But basically that's what the project about. So we just started working on this. Therefore, we don't really know the solution for now yet. Um, but yeah, we are trying to find some alternatives and we are trying to find how we can improve this. Are there any alternatives that you've kind of run into preliminarily? Um, yeah, we, can, we, we have kind of some proposals about how to make it better. So for example, we can... Um, 
So circuit was trying to change the the laundries, so maybe it would be some alternative just to change for circuit to improve its laundries and make it cheaper possibly. Uh, so the second option is just to change the company and choose the company which will um, better represent our interests and then maybe just to lobby and to make the university to organize the laundry itself on campus. So maybe for them it will be profitable. So there that's our kind of the options now. But we didn't do the deep research yet because this is the only this is the first week we and we just started working on this. So how long do you think that this sort of project will last and what do you see its its impact being? Is it just like a, a get the get the word out there that there is a viable <laughs> option other than circuit laundry or are you genuinely going to going to going to push the the college and the university to move on from circuit laundry? Mm -hmm. So yeah, the project we, we are planning to work on this for eight weeks, but possibly we'll prolong it because our main goal is just to change something or in general to solve this problem, which is the main goal of Think Tank, I think, in general. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter for how long we will be working, our main goal is to change something. For now, of course, we have eight weeks and this is kind of the outline of the project in general because we understand that some people don't want to work longer than that because we have just other things. Uh, but of course, the main purpose of the project is to change something and actually lobby to, for uni to at least pay attention to this problem in general. In a way, it's well, what a think tank does. It's a recommendation. It's a written recommendation backed up by research on, or based on what we found, based on our conversations with Yusu and based on our conversations with the student community. Of course, the university has no kind of obligation to listen to what we recommend, but we certainly hope that it's at least taken into account. Yes, yeah. exactly. All we do are recommendations and unfortunately we don't really have as much power, but I think it would be very beneficial if at least we start talking about this. So maybe it would encourage students to, as I said, officially complain about this or in general maybe we can just have a look at how the process is organized and how university is choosing this laundry. Maybe there is some issue in the process of choosing and therefore pay attention to this exact issue and try to solve this. Yeah, that sounds, I mean, that sounds great. And uh, the student think tank, uh, this might be the first time that a lot of you listening have ever ever heard of uh, the New York student think tank. And that's because it it's uh, really come about and become a little bit more prolific recently. And that is sort of thanks to, thanks to Pablo here. If you want to outline just the changes that you've kind of made to the uh, to the think tank and trying to, to make it more prolific, Pablo. I'll give you a yeah chance to do that. Just what what have, what have you changed? What have you done in general? Well, what we've changed, I well, we don't really know what the think tank looked like before <laughs> I got to university. I it just wasn't there, but it definitely looked like a very interesting society because it dealt with well practical politics. The ability to actually try to implement the the changes that you think of regardless of ideology or political party etc so starting out with may and lars we we started trying to write policy papers which is these official kind of recommendations for institutions and we thought that the most useful ones we can write at the moment are for the university since they affect well our direct community and also for the york city council Though at the moment, because of the inconveniences of COVID, we haven't been able to properly communicate with them. 
Regardless, yeah, that's COVID really has changed everything. <laughs> even this, uh, even this podcast. I spent so long trying to um, <laughs> trying to liaise with uh, URY a little bit to get in there, but they've limited it to just a, a few shows, which is why we have to we have to be online here. But hey, it's I mean it's going going okay so far. This is the first time we've recorded any kind of uh, any kind of podcast online, and I, I hope it turns out okay. I hope the audio is all <laughs> yes, clear, but. Sure. Uh, We'll uh, move on to the um, four thousand pound public writing course. That uh, that whole policy. Could you uh, explain how that came about and what what the think tank's role in that is? Well, we when well since we focus on writing these public policy papers, these papers recommending policy, we realized that well, most people have absolutely no idea how to do this. And, you know, this does include ourselves at the very beginning. We had no idea how to go about it, and it was very much self-taught. Um, we like to think it's gone okay, but, of course, we want to be able to offer our members the opportunity to learn how to actually write public policy. Mm. So Victoria and I sat down and sort of... We had thought that the best thing to do would be an online course, taking advantage of the fact that we're stuck in covid Mm-hmm. And we don't really have much, well, nothing else to do. <laughs> and people are going to have to watch it from their homes anyway. Of course, the ideal would have been an in-person workshop. But uh, the benefit of having a writing course online is that future think tank committees and future think tank members will always be able to refer back to it. I guess a guideline is hard for it to go old. Well, mm. It has to be a very long time anyway. Mm. So we contacted the students... Fund. fund yeah the student fund they gave us an initial what was it 2500 pounds yeah um because we came up with the general course outline so to briefly summarize what it is essentially we reach out to a bunch of think tanks in in the UK and we ask researchers and members of that think tank to write or to uh, be the host of a certain episode each episode would be anywhere between 10 and 15 minutes long and running everyone through, well, what is a think tank to how to research, how to write, how to come up with policy solutions mm-hmm. and how to go over editors' corrections. Mm-hmm. So the filming hasn't actually started since we're now all locked up at home now. Mm-hmm. But yes, we plan to well start recording it as soon as possible. After getting the initial grant, yeah. we contacted a studio videographer we have secured the other half to well, up to 4,000, also with the help of the student fund. And we'll see to funding the rest of it once we have the first couple of episodes. Mm, yeah, just to add to this, I think Pablo is absolutely right that the majority of people don't know what Think Tank is and what, the, what public policy is in general. And this is kind of weird because I feel like a lot of people are looking for some job opportunities, especially those who study politics, international relations, or somehow connected to this. But the thing is that they don't really know what is this about and because it sounds like something super complicated but basically just the problem solutions but just on the governmental level so we were thinking that it would be very nice to organize something like this and um, yeah we basically identified the problem maybe within the university that they don't really support um, initiatives like Coursera and edX which the, a lot of universities do for example Coursera is supported by 50 universities, but not by University of York, which was a bit strange. So we were thinking, okay, what can we propose to the university for them to give us money? And we were thinking, okay, so we can just think about what we can produce 
and what can be beneficial for both sides, what can be beneficial for students. So for students, it would be beneficial to know about what Think Tank is, and it would be beneficial to have this online course and just to know, like, answer some questions they didn't know about. And it would be beneficial for uni, because in this way they can kind of join these initiatives, they can show that they're producing something important, that they're producing online courses, and they're sharing this with other students from other countries and... Well, you might be making the uh, university a little bit nervous, training a, training a lot of students to look at them critically and uh, <laughs> put forward their opinions on what the university should be doing. Interesting that they gave you money to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, is, well, that is the point of this course, right? Getting, getting students at the university uh, involved with the, the think tank and, and sort of the idea of public policy writing. Yes, and I think to sort of come back to what you just said, I don't think, well, we don't aim to, I guess, criticize the university. We mm. actually want to help if possible. But there's many issues that it's okay to just have, I guess, this student yeah. voice out there, mm. know what yeah. people think. And of course, it's all backed up by research at the end of the mm -hmm. day. I think that's what the main idea of public policy is, because people who work in public policy sphere, they don't really criticize anything because they don't really have, as, as, as we said before, all papers, they are just called recommendations, right? So if university doesn't want to implement this, why would they? So our goal is not really to criticize them, but actually try to solve this problem and try to understand the interests of both sides and try to solve it in some way and see which alternative, for example, can be better. Maybe we can make it more envir environmentally friendly and we can have a look at different other alternatives and different laundries which would make it more environmentally friendly and therefore uni will be satisfied with this because they'll be higher in ranking I, and students will be also satisfied I with this. I guess we criticize idea. in the sense that we we identify problems that maybe they don't want us to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the thing, but... Yeah, we'll we just try to have a look at how, because obviously a lot of students in uni are not satisfied with this and university bodies do understand that this is the issue. So maybe there is some solution which will be beneficial for both sides and this is our main purpose, this is the main idea because that's what policy, uh, that's what people who work in think tanks do. Their idea is not to criticize something because like what for? What for would you put so much time and effort into something which It's about a solution. Wouldn't. It's about, yeah, it's about the solution, but about the solution which will be heard by other people, right? So it's not just some solution because the solution which is not realistic is not, just doesn't make sense, right? So. Yeah. So for, for, a, for a first year student listening to this and thinking, yeah, I have a lot of criticisms of, of the university, especially right now on campus mm -hmm. with COVID and sort of mm -hmm. all the irregularities from last year, how would they go about getting involved in the think tank, getting involved in the public policy course, just getting involved with uh, the, the think tank in general? How would they well, go about that? Right now, they can get involved because we've run, well, yeah, that's kind of the issue. So we would be hoping to run quite a bit more than what we've ended up running this year. So. We do publish a weekly journal called The Cortado. Um, this, well, the name behind it is quite funny, but <laughs> I'll kind of save it for another occasion. But it's a, essentially a weekly newsletter explaining the latest in policy, the latest in news and the latest in our society. So people can get involved in writing for this. 
it's interesting in that articles are only 100 to 150 words long. Yeah, that very, is interesting. Very brief. Seems, seems like a good way to introduce someone to, to writing, writing in that way. Yes. Mm. We wanted to run a journal with Warwick at the beginning of this year, but we encountered some technical issues. We hope to bring it back next term, but that is something to consider, especially for well, everybody that wants to get involved. The issue with the policy papers is that people have to apply for the papers. And for example, that the applications for Victoria's paper are now closed. So if people want to get involved now, they would have to get involved in doing the newsletter or hopefully the journal mm -hmm. we can bring back. Mm -hmm. Other than that weekly journal, we do have Socrates Cafe, which are just weekly discussions every Wednesday, mm. where we vote on a topic that people find interesting and just try to come up with solutions for it. Yeah, but maybe in general of what you were more asking about, it's like, for example, if people see some problem on campus, they can, in the beginning of the term, we are looking for researchers and for, so basically we have research leaders and we have those people who work in the research project and those people who are research leaders, they are proposing some, not even proposing the solution, but they're trying to identify the issue. For example, within uni or in general, some issue they want to talk, they want to solve and they think they can, like, they want to have a team. Um, they're coming and they're saying, oh, I want to work on this, and in this way you can become the research leader. Right? Yeah. You can recruit for your own um, team, and we're kind of more like a tool to do so. So, because we provide with all support needed, we can provide with advertisement, we can uh, help with recruiting for a team, and basically that's how we're trying to... We're more like an organizers, but if some people want to work on something, they can just come and... Yeah, that is, that is actually very true. We... Yeah. At the beginning of every term, we open for, well, we look for ideas for research projects and well, we ourselves generate a couple and try to encourage people to become research leaders for it. We very much welcome research projects from the community. If anyone wants to suggest an idea, not even lead it, just an idea for a research project that they have seen, they're welcome to put it forward and we can help them phrase it in a way that could be put into a policy paper. So someone listening right now has an idea for a, for a paper, wants to get involved in a paper possibly next term. How do they reach out to you guys? How do they, how do they make sure that they uh, get that idea across? So if they, want, if they have an idea, they can email us about it and we will get back and of course help them yeah. form it into a proper policy paper. If people just want to apply to work on a research paper, then they have to wait for us to release the, the applications from all the teams that Mm -hmm. We we organize. Mm -hmm. And wh where are so those released? Um, on our social media, so on our Facebook, yeah. our Instagram, our Twitter. And I'll, I'll our link LinkedIn. to I'll I'll leave a link to your socials and uh, and your email in the podcast description as well. Yes, that would be wonderful. Want to check that out? Possibly get involved. But uh, sort of moving on from the uh, the operations of the think tank, kind of kind of day to day. What do you see? the the future of your student think tank especially beyond covid after after that gets sorted out whenever we don't have to be in groups of 6 or 30 and wear masks when <laughs> when it when it's fully sorted what's the future of your student think tank without those limitations hmm. that's an interesting question i think it's Pablo have different kind of uh, views of how we see the think tank in the future. So me personally, I really see think tank as kind of like educational hub or educational um, 
how it's called, so like incubator, you know, like you have mm-hmm. business incubators where you come together to, um, to, to, to see some solution in, in society and you're looking at how to make money out of this. So this is the business incubator. I see it as the educational incubator or educational hub where you're just coming and you have mentors and you have all support needed and um, you can you can develop your idea and you have kind of maybe mentors who work in public policy sphere and yeah you're recruiting for your team and we are we as a team we're looking at you we're we're helping and we just connect you with people who are also interested in the same field and in ideal obviously it would be maybe nice to work all together and like come and have a general meeting because it's just a nice way to meet people who want to work in the same sphere but now unfortunately team are, teams are separated so they don't really have a chance to kind of talk to each other they just talk to people who work in this particular project so i think in the future it would be just nice to have this kind of team and the same place where we go all together uh, and where we work all together and where different mentors and people from different fields are coming and they're just talking about their career and talking about how do they work um, mentor people and that's how I see more like educational side of this and I really like the idea that a lot of students are coming and they discover something new about public policy about this field in general about they're just getting some new skills which is always nice I mean yeah, I, that sounds really nice would the goal then be like a um a part of a building on campus kind of like URY uh the radio has or or yes yeah, yeah. Uh, that yeah, sounds definitely interesting. What, what were you would, about to say, Pablo? Would be a goal. Yes, no, um, I do actually agree with this view of sort of education. At the end of the day, we're uni society, so we aim mostly to inform people and educate them about how to get involved in public policy. And mm-hmm. then, of course, if they wish to engage with it beyond that, it's, well, of course, their own choice. But I like that, you know, in teaching, you also have to do public policy. Mm-hmm. And that's something we definitely hope to offer. Mm-hmm. and to allow students to do. But mm-hmm. yes, uh, as for our goal, we would love to have a have a <laughs> building somewhere simply because everything tends to be booked out and we want to have a space where we can interact with each other, sit mm-hmm. down and talk. Mm-hmm. But of course, this sitting down and talking with a bunch of people that you don't mm-hmm. know is very legal right now. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> we'd have to, we'd have to wait a little bit before we see yes. that. Yes, definitely. Uh, but yeah, yeah general, I, I, think I think all societies are sort of feeling that right now. Certainly, uh, the the Pep Society hasn't been able to do a lot, but uh, <laughs> we'll we'll have some uh, we have some stuff in the works, and there will be some uh, some announcements on that line soon. But yes. uh, b- moving on to a little bit more um, current events related stuff, this uh, new COVID vaccine uh, trial from Pfizer that had ninety percent effectiveness from a sort of public policy <laughs> perspective. What uh, what would you guys be saying about about that uh, that vaccine? Trust it? Don't trust it? Sort of. Uh, what what would your thoughts be there? I'd say very blunt in the medical tests that have to be done to well allow it to reach public consumption. So if the I guess institutions that revise medical products say that it's proper and that it works, then I think it's something we should go ahead with and start distributing among the population. Of course, the biggest issue from the public policy perspective is how to actually distribute it. But to my knowledge, most countries around the world, or all of them really, have already thought out about 
who to give the vaccines to, uh, starting out with the elderly and the most, well, the most at risk. Mm -hmm. So people with autoimmune diseases, with cancer or just people in care homes. But yes, I, well, at least I'm definitely of the opinion that it is okay and it can be trusted because at the end of the day, we don't really have a choice. <laughs> yeah, I'm um, kind of backed into a corner there. But there are the logistical yeah. issues around getting it out there of needing a uh, second round of the vaccine three weeks, or I think it was about three weeks later for, uh, for, for this Pfizer vaccine and having to be kept in uh, below freezing conditions. It just adds logistical issues to transport. Yes. And that would definitely be uh, interesting from a policy perspective, a, a paper around that or, or something. But uh, for sure, just some, just an idea Another. to throw that out there. Uh, mm -hmm. Definitely. But I, I I said before we started recording, we could do a little bit a uh, little bit of talk about what you guys th thought of the uh, the recent U.S. election and all the uh, the chaos around there. Yeah, did you guys I, stay up and watch it like me? I, me yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we actually did. <laughs> I got a, I got about half my housemates. To uh to sit up and watch it until till about six a.m. with me, and then for for three days it stayed at the same point before finally being called for Biden. So that it was, was a, so maybe painful. a little bit of a waste of time. But what did you guys think of it? Yes. Uh, well, we're very happy with the result. Yeah. Um, at risk of, of course, you know, having a bias here, political bias. But yes, very happy with the result. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did not think Georgia was going to end up swinging for Biden. Well, now the big question is there's a Senate runoff election in um, yeah. January, late January, early February, somewhere around there, that will determine control of the Senate. So uh, you're about to see hundreds of millions poured into those races. That's going to oh, be absolutely sure. crazy. Because what sure. Biden can do with a 50-50 uh, Senate with uh, Harris as the tiebreaker is going to be completely different from sort of the political calculation of Mitch McConnell as the Senate leader. Yes, I think if if we see the, a deadlock in Congress, then it's pretty much going to be what happened to Obama. <laughs> well, Biden's uh, presidency will also be quite well stopped by the Senate, of course, by Republican-controlled Senate. They won't really be able to get many policies through. Well, policies aside, Mitch McConnell has already been been uh, concerned about some of Biden's cabinet picks, and uh, all those cabinet positions need the advice and consent of the Senate. So it could even be difficult for uh, for Biden to get his his uh, his picks through for his cabinet. Yes. Um, well, what really concerns me more than the administration picking is actually the refusal to concede that Trump has <laughs> been so vocal about well, for better part of a month now. Yeah, it's gotten so bad. Every tweet that he, uh, he sends out has that little uh, earmark about yes. uh, it, it possibly <laughs> being false, which is just crazy. I mean, looking, looking at it in a more sort of wider, the office of the president context, that is insane. That... <laughs> that the, uh, the president of the United States has to have uh, all of his tweets earmarked. <laughs> it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah. Also, the fact that it calls into question the democratic processes in the United States is a bit ridiculous. Uh, yeah, the, the president but, himself. I know that deep down it won't really matter. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, 
Uh, is it Jan- January 11th? Biden will be sworn in. There will be a transition. And uh, and I think we'll all yes. be fine. I think we'll be fine. Yes, that's very true. I think there's definitely been too much panic about it. But in the end of the day, it's not so much the what will happen that really does annoy me, but it's the dangerous precedent it sets. Just the fact that people keep complaining so easily about it. Mm-hmm. Now here's a question we can we can uh, we can end on here. Do you guys think Trump will run again in 2024? <laughs> I read an article on uh, on, on Axios that said he was privately talking to some of his staffers and RNC people about a 2024 mm-hmm. bid, and just the absolute hold that Trump has mm-hmm. around with around 30 percent of Americans. We haven't really seen a president sort of hold that position before of this kind of godlike infallible figure trump can do no wrong according to those people and i'm kind of i'm kind of thinking and well 30 percent might seem low but in a primary 30 percent of the population is is so much trump would walk Mm. away with that nomination if if he held on to that 30 percent so yeah, what? I, uh, just r- right now, what, what do you think he'll run again? Is just the, the the question I'd like to end on here. I think I think he will, and I think he'll probably win the Republican nomination. <laughs> I think he's quite old to run again. Yeah, I think he will run. To be honest, I think that just people are always tempted not to be satisfied with the current situation, mm-hmm. you know. And like obviously Biden now is going not so of course everyone would not be satisfied with the current situation especially if you just close like half of america and say that you are currenting now guys so obviously a lot of people will be not satisfied and it will be very difficult to compare kind of you know the life with lockdown the 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 life in covid and then the life before so obviously the life before covid was much better right and just the fact that biden now is running um sorry the biden now is the president in the COVID time, it will of course affect how people think. And of course it will seem like Trump was the better president. So he might do so. I mean, he'll definitely try to run. He, he'll try. Yeah, I think I so. Think, I just I hope think that age the- age might stop him. Uh, but uh, wouldn't he be 78, which is Biden's age now? <laughs> yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's true. But he's significantly less healthy, I think. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. There was this whole, um, I remember on one of the Joe Rogan podcasts, his his advice to uh, Trump if he won a second term was to just drop down to 180 pounds, slam the gym, shave his head, and just go for that like <laughs> evil dictator vibe. I think it, <laughs> if if he spent this four years just going going to the gym, just accepted the uh, accepted the baldness, and just just became an absolute just just unit, and then ran again, oh, I think we'd be in trouble. I don't know. Yes. A little bit depressing to entertain these, uh, <laughs> these thoughts, but uh, that's a good place to end yeah, on, hope, I think. Let's hope it doesn't pass. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's thank fine. you to, uh, to, to the York Student Think Tank for coming on again. And uh, no, we, hope to have you, we hope to have you back. It'll be uh, hopefully when, when COVID's all over and you guys can be in your own building and everything. And uh, we'll be recording in URY again. But uh <laughs> Until then, we got to deal with this uh, online stuff. And uh, for those of you listening, look out for, uh, I think, one more episode before the break. Uh, mm-hmm. With That will have uh, an announcement in it, so stay tuned for that. 
And uh, until then, thank you so much for listening to the Pep Talk podcast. uh, And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.